Well, it's good to be here. I'll just get uh, set up here. I have to wear glasses now. The thing about getting old. Well, I'm hoping this morning that God really speaks to you. I've been um, I've been praying all week um, about what to speak uh, to to you all, everyone that's here and everyone that's uh, watching online, and um, and I really hope God does something in you today, and that you learn to find God in a new way today that perhaps you haven't before. Um, the title of my uh, message today is Deep Calls to Deep because I want to talk how does the deep part of us connect with the deep part of God. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you're hungry to find more of God, I, I really hope that this message uh, speaks to you today. But I wanted to start today just by asking, how are you? You good? Okay, now I want to follow that up with another question. How are you really? Mm, different answer. <laughs> um, I, often, I often do that when I'm talking to people. I, I go up and I ask, how are you? And I get the, I'm fine, I'm going well. And then I go, and now how are you really? Because I actually really want to know how you are. And often just asking someone, how are you really, induces tears. Um, it's like, oh, someone actually cares about how I am. Um, and it's, it's important to ask people, how are you really sometimes? Particularly in this time of coronavirus and the things that we're all struggling with. I was watching a... Um, a YouTube clip the other day by uh, Simon Sinek. He's a, a great thought leader on leadership and how people work. And he was he was doing this uh, YouTube clip of him talking with his um, life coach uh, slash psychologist. Um, and uh, what he wanted to do in this YouTube clip was to talk about some of the things that we've been feeling through coronavirus, but not talk about it from an up here kind of thing about what we're observing, but actually how are we feeling in it. And um, so the interesting part was uh, how the whole introduction happened. Uh, Simon introduced Andrea Garfield, who was his uh, therapist slash friend slash coach, and he goes, uh, uh, so how are you? And her response was, well... Shall I say I'm fine and you say you're fine and we all say we're fine and uh, we pretend that everything's okay? Or do we actually really talk about what we're really dealing with? And then they went on and talked about what they were really dealing with. And I think for some... And what they went on to talk about was uh, trauma and the trauma that we feel from coronavirus and the lockdowns and the whole way our lives have changed. And we all feel it. And they were talking about this phenomena of trauma uh, with first responders, people that go and respond in crisis and how that they're switched on at the moment, that they don't have to deal with any feelings. They've just, they're, they're on, they're ready to go and they go in and they do whatever they need to in this moment of crisis and deal with it. And, um, and Simon had been asking these first responders, well, 
you mustn't, you mustn't deal with trauma. You just like switch off and deal with it. And the first responder said, no, trauma comes up and it often comes up four to five months later. It's going to come up. You're going to have to deal with it. Now, we've been in lockdown in various levels since March. It's now four or five months later. And while you might have been feeling like, like me, when, when I started with all the lockdowns, I'm like, great, I can do some of the things I don't want to do. So, you know, I've learned how to make sourdough bread. I've, um, I've uh, planted tomatoes from seed that I grew in a little ice tray and then planted them and grown them. Not very well, but I do have some tomatoes from it. Um, you know, I examined art. I did all these things. And I don't know about you, but if you sort of started the lockdown and thought, great, I'm going to do all these things, it's, it's time at home, and then now you might be like me and it just feels like, ugh, you wake up and each day feels like another day staying at home, another day not interacting with people. It just feels a bit monotonous and it feels like, you know, this, this coronavirus isn't going to end. Is anyone else feeling that way even some of the time? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's because we're experiencing trauma and those emotions that we've been feeling are coming out now. Maybe at the start we were able to address it with this great positivity and this great um, ability to work things through, but now it's kind of got a bit real. Now we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know how life is going to be afterwards and we're starting to process some of those deeper questions. And... Um, and what I love about God is he's, he is able to handle those deeper questions. He is able to work through them with us. Another thing that I've noticed about trauma is, um, is years ago um, when I was living in Australia, there were big, big bushfires. You've probably heard about it on the news, but even if you didn't, like these bushfires were massive um, and they were moving fast, like cars were driving and the hubcaps of the cars would melt as they were driving. It was so hot. Um, and um, it was just terrible. Like um, people died, hundreds of houses were lost. And um, I can see you better now. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just terrible. And I had the privilege of going to the community centre. So um, at that time, I was a pastor in Australia and I coordinated a bushfire response for the people there. And I went to this community centre where all these people who their houses had burnt down and everything, they, they were all there. And... Um, what really moved me was there was this wall of like yellow post-it notes of people whose families had been split and they were looking for their loved ones and they didn't know whether they were alive. So you'd see sites like, like Dave, um, uh, Kerry and I and the kids were okay but we can't find you. If you're alive, call this number. And it was just a whole wall of things like this. And it was kind of like when I was there you know, people were just traumatised and it's like they had to talk it out. Like I had this one guy who came up to me, like he didn't know me, he'd never met me before, no hello, no nothing. He just comes up and starts telling me how his house burnt down and how he just watched it burn down and how he didn't know what to do. It was kind of like he just had to tell someone. 
our emotions come out when we go through trauma. And, um, and we've been through trauma. And you might go, well, you know, um, it's not as bad for me as it has been for other people. And while there's truth to that, and that is absolutely true, other people have gone through much more than maybe we have because we've been safe in a city um, that, that's doing relatively well and has got a government that's handling things well. Um, you know, other people have been in places that aren't handling it well. And that means that sometimes we can go, I shouldn't feel sad about this because I should be counting my blessings. Because that's what we do as Christians, don't we? We, we err to the side of positivity. We err to the side of um, everything's good, God's good, I'm with, I'm with God, and, um, and it's all going to be good. But the problem is, is our emotions don't know that other people are suffering. Our emotions only know about the suffering that we're feeling. And we need to deal with our emotions. We need to have a way to do that. And um, particularly in the Western church, we don't talk about suffering very often. We much, much prefer to talk about when things are going good and God's going to give you your best life and life is what you make it and all of those things. And all of those things are great. But they don't leave us anywhere when we're, go when we're going through suffering. Now, some of you in this room are from war-torn countries. Some of you in this country, uh, in this room, are from countries with extreme poverty. And you know how to relate to God through suffering. But a lot of us in this room don't. We don't know what to do with it. Even if you look um, in the church, you know, most of our songs, they're all praise songs. They're all about... You know, God's going to lift us high. And there's, there's not much about how do we deal with God when we're in the pit, when things are going wrong. And that's what I want to talk about today because whilst in the wider church we don't do that often, the Bible does. The Bible does go into suffering. And the Bible has to be alive for us whether we're in suffering or whether we're on the mountaintops whether we're in the deep, in the ocean, and not knowing what to do and feeling like we're drowning, or whether we're doing really well. Um, God is there for both of us for in, in both situations. But God actually wants a relationship with us based on honesty. You know, to, to really meet God in this deep place. And we're going to go on a bit of a journey today and I hope you'll go with me and that you'll take your emotions and your concerns with you on this journey because we're actually going to walk through together how God wants us to do this. So are you ready to go on a journey today? It won't be an epic adventure, but it'll be a journey of going into the deep and experiencing God in that deep place. So God wants to meet us on a, in a place of honesty and trust. He doesn't want to meet us in a place of pretend. So on this journey today, we're not going to pretend. We're going we're gonna to face God with how we really feel about things, how we're really coping about things. We're going to pretend. Well, we're not pretending because I said we're not going to pretend. But we're going to let God ask us, how are you really? Now, I'm um, 
Um, actually, there's a verse in the Bible called, um, in First Peter 5, 7, if we can switch to that, please, Dina. Um, God says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He wants you to share your anxiety with him. He doesn't want you to pretend all is well and good. He wants you to get to that place, but he doesn't want you to pretend. He wants to meet you at a place of where you're at and where you're really at. So cast all your anxiety onto him before he cares for you. Uh, the Passion Translation puts it this way. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. So this is the journey we're going to go on today. How do we pour out our worries and our stress upon him and leave them there because he cares for us? Now, me, I'm, um, I'm someone that, like, I'm talking to God all day. Like, throughout the day, I'm like, well, what about this or what about this? Um, but sometimes um, I feel like I need to journal. And journaling's usually, like, you know how a husband and wife, they talk to one another all day. They still love one another. They're communicating. But then there's date night, and that's when they really communicate. Well, journaling's a bit like date night for me and God. Like, that's when we really talk about how things are going. So we do all the talking throughout the day about how, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? Uh, what do you think of this? All that kind of stuff. Uh, but then when I'm journaling, it's when I really talk to God and sort things through and we have like this deep and meaningful conversation. Um, but sometimes I find I don't want to journal. Um, and it's because there's something that I know God wants to talk to me about that I don't want to talk about because I don't want to go there. Do you ever have times like that when God really wants to deal with you on something and it's like, I don't want to go there, or it just hurts, or I don't want to have to feel sad, I don't want to know that, pretend that, the, I don't want to admit that those things are real, that I'm hurt by this or I'm hurt by that. But God actually wants to meet us in honesty in that. And he's actually made a way uh, for us to do this. And it's called lament. There's actually a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations, which is all about lament. Um, and it's about when people are in this place where their city that they thought was the temple of God, Jerusalem, was... Um, was pulled apart, burnt down, and they were left in ashes. Half their leaders were gone, half the people were killed, all the buildings were smoking, and, and it's about how did those people deal with it, and they did it through lament. Now, lament, I think, is a bit of an art form. It's actually a musical genre that, um, that God leads people through to help express their emotions. Lament is highly emotional. And sometimes when you read them, they sound really depressing. But that's because people are being really real with God. Um, so, so lament is a Hebrew song. It's a kind of poetry song with a particular structure that people work through. And it helps them. And if you, uh, you might think, well, I don't even know what lament is. Six, you, you will have come across it because 60 of the 150 psalms are lament. 
It's in there. You know, anything that you've read where it's like someone is complaining or someone is going, oh, I just want to die or, um, you know, and it sounds really emotional and that's because it is, because it's meant to be an outlet for us to work through our emotions with God. God wants us to go there with him. Um, it's, it's about digging into the suffering that we're feeling um, and uh, digging into the questions that we have. Lament is an art of questioning the God in the way that you're not sure if you're ever really going to get an answer. And maybe they're the big questions of life and you just don't know, am I going to get an answer from this? Um, it's also a way to let out your emotions in a safe place because God is always a safe place. And he has a way when you lament with God, he has a way of transforming you and, uh, and helping you to find hope at the end of it. Um, it is also um, a way to let out your emotions with God rather than sinning with people. So, for example, if you find yourself really angry, it's okay. If you read any of the Psalms, you'll find that there's some people that are really, really angry and they're talking about some angry stuff, but um, they're working it out with God and that's stopping them from taking their anger out on people. So it's a way to help you not sin by working things through with God. You know, all of his word works together. Um, at, at the moment, we're getting a lot of people writing their anger on social media and then we're all having to read it. But um, wouldn't it be good if they were taking their anger out with God? Because it's not wrong to be angry. God was angry. But it's what we do with our anger that's important. Um, so I'm going to read a psalm today, Psalm 42, and we're just going to have a look at the... Um, emotion in it and the desperate cry in it and the depth of it. Um, and then we're going to look at some of the structure of it. So we're going to look at Psalm 42. Uh, you've got it up there on the screen. So it's, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? You know, it's really important when we're going through a tough time to search out God. We have to go find him and sometimes we don't feel like he's there. It's always in those hard times that you don't feel like he's there sometimes, uh, but we can search him out. So go searching for God. Then this goes on and it doesn't sound like this person's having a very good day. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? It doesn't sound like a particularly happy person, does it? But you've got this person that's being really honest before God and going, this, this situation, this situation is totally overwhelming me. I don't know what to do. Where are you, God? Um, it's really important to be honest before God. And the good thing about, um, about emotive genre and, uh, and song is you can be a lot more expressive than you would. So you can just really let it out. I'm sure this person was not eating their tears, 
But they're being expressive. My tears have been my food day and night. They're working through stuff. They're bringing their lament to God. But then he goes, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. You know, when you're going through emotions and lament, it's good to look back and go where you've seen God in the past. Remind yourself of how good God is. Then he goes, um, under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And then he goes, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. You know, this person is looking for hope. They want to find hope. And they're looking for it in the right place. They're looking for it for God. But they're trying to stir something up inside of them to say, come on, why are you so down? Why am I so down? But I am going to put my hope in God. And, you know, if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. And it says, and I like this because the first quest, the first uh In verse 5, it talks about why my soul are you downcast. This time, he's saying my soul is downcast. He's admitting what's really happening. He's admitting the emotions. He's being real before God. My soul is down course within me. But, and when you're feeling down, you've got to get a but. You've got to get but. And his but is, but therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and the heights of the Hermit and the Mount Mizar. But then he goes back to woe is me again. It's like deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. It's like, God, I'm drowning here. Every time I try to come up from air, another wave comes, another wave comes, and I'm just... I'm just trying hard to keep my head above water. Can you, can you move here? Deep calls to deep. God, I need you here. I need you to move in me. I need, I need to be able to find you in this situation because it's really hard and I'm just struggling. God, can you help me? And then again, he's pointing to God but, and getting another but. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. You know, his song is with me. This genre is sung. This is, um, it's like poetry. It's, we sing to it. Um, and even though you're singing the song, it starts becoming a prayer over your life. And that's really important. But then he goes back. And isn't that what happens when you're going through grief? You go, you go, woe is me, and then it's like, but uh, now I've got hope, but then it's woe is me again, and now I've got hope, and now it's woe is me again, and now I've got hope. And you know what? God can handle that. This is the journey that this psalmist is taking us on. So um, uh, he goes, by, uh, I will say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, suppressed by the enemy? And here we go uh, deep you know, this is, this is deep. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? This sounds like a person who is trying to stand up for God 
and everyone's knocking him down and he and he's the only person that's being a godly person and everyone else around him is like well is your god working you know what what's the point of you praying what's the point of you doing this have you ever felt like that like you're the only christian alone in a place and it feels like god's not answering your prayers and you're there this is how this person is feeling this day He goes, and my bones are suffering mortal agony. God, it's killing me. I'm trying to stand for you. I'm trying to do the right thing. And it's killing me like nothing's working. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Then he continues, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour, and my God. He ended with hope in God. And that's always where you've got to end. When you bring your emotions towards God, you know, it's only for a time. It's not forever. You don't get stuck in giving these emotions to God, but you do give to them. You know, counsellors will often say when they're dealing with someone that's going through depression um, or a difficult time, they'll go, okay, um, you know, the person might be feeling overwhelmed and they're thinking about this problem all day and they just can't seem to get out of it. And it's a bit like spaghetti, like the whole world is spaghetti and if I think about this, that leads to this problem, that leads to this problem, that leads to this problem. Well, counsellors will often employ a tactic of saying, okay, you can worry about it, but you can only do it for 10 minutes a day. The rest of the day, I don't want you to worry about it. You're allowed to worry about it for just 10 minutes a day. And I feel like that's what this genre almost does. It's like it gives you time to let out that emotion towards God, to give it to God in honesty and realness. But then it's like, okay, time's up. We're going to look at who God is now. And God is good and God is big. And, you, and you, you know, you end it. You cut that circuit and you go, God is good and I'm going to remind myself of who he is. Is this making sense to you? Yeah, like God, but God wants to meet us in that deep place. Now, there are different components to this genre. Um, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart wrote a great book called How to Read the Bible. And if any of you are into theology, fantastic book. It explains how the different genres work. And um, and they have found different components of um, lament. And this is how... They, they swap about a bit, but this is usually the components it's made up of. The first is the address. That is, who are you talking to? And uh, in this case, it's God. Um, in, then there's a, a period of complaint where you're pouring out your emotions honestly and identifying what the problem is. You're giving it to God. You're saying, God this is going wrong in my world, will you do something? Then there's an element of trust because you're, you're taking your emotions and you're taking your complaint and you're giving it to God and you're letting him work over it with trust, which you know from what he's done in your life. So the psalmist in this psalm repeated, I remember the days. Um, you know, you're remembering what the word says, you're You're remembering who God is, how big he is and how good he's been to you in the past and you're trusting him on that. 
Then there's a moment of deliverance, which is basically get me out of this situation. Get me out. You're big enough. Get me out. Then there's assurance, which is very similar to trust. It's like expression that God will do it. He is going to do it. And then you always end on praise, thanking and honouring God for all he has, is and will be doing. You know, it's taking God through that moment. So this is the components of lament. Um, Just like um, in our songs today, we have different components. We have a verse, we have a chorus, we might have a bridge. I'm not very musical. That's about as much as I know. Um, Sometimes there's a key change, different things happening there. Uh, but, But, you know, songs have a format. And... Hebrew psalms and particularly lament, they have a format that they follow and that's the format. So if we look back at Psalm 42, you know, the address in this psalm is as the deer pants for stream of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. You know, he's talking to God. It's like, you know, every lament starts with dear whoever in our modern day language. Um, for as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants on you, God. And then if you look at the psalm, there's loads of complaint. It's like my tears have been my food day and night. People are saying, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? All the waves and breakers have swept over me. Why have you forgotten me? You know, there's questions in there. And there's questions that you're probably not going to get an answer to. That's part of the art of lament. It's asking questions and being okay with however God answers it, which might not be your way of him answering it. I always have a problem uh, with, with that verse that says, you know, my ways are higher than your ways. I always call it God's cop-out line. It's his line where he, um, it's like, well, I'm God and you're not, and I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> and I always feel like, yeah, you always pull that out one out whenever I'm arguing with you or, or, or whatever. But, you know, he pulls that one out. I call it his cop-out line, his line that he uses to get out of everything. But I think he has to explain, but he doesn't because he's God and I'm not. <laughs> but one day um, with that verse, um, I, w- I was complaining about it <laughs> and, um, and I felt like God said to me, well, would you like it to be your way? Like, and I'm like, well, no, because I don't know everything and you do. And he goes, well, would you like to run the world? Would you like to decide how everything goes? And I was like, no. So he's going, which way do you want it? He goes, do you think you can get to the place where instead of calling this my God's cop outline that it can be a verse that you love because you're actually not loving my word? And that was really confronting for me because I wanted it my way. Like I'm a pretty independent person. I like things my way and I project that onto God as well. So, But he's kind of like, you're not loving my word when you're doing that because I really, I really had a problem with that verse. And, um, and yeah, and I felt like God saying, you're not loving my word. So now I've come to love it and love to look at it and go, well, when God says that his way is higher than my way, I'm going to trust that he's got the bigger picture than me and that he's got a plan and trusting that he's good and he knows what he's doing. So now I've come to love that God is bigger than me rather than me having to know the detail. Anyway, that was just something extra. <laughs> Um, so the next thing is that in, in, this, in this particular psalm, there's trust. 
It's like, these things I remember, therefore I will remember you. You know, these are all expressions of trust in God. You know, you're reminding yourself of what's gone on before. Now, actually, Psalm 42, theologians believe that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are actually one psalm, one complete psalm. Uh, It's two psalms in our Bibles, but if you look uh, in your Bible next to where it says Psalm 43, there'll be a little... um, little footnote and if you look down it will say that uh, many theologians feel that this is one psalm because it actually continues on the same story Um, and if you look uh, further on it's got uh, in deliverance in psalm 43 it talks about vindicate me my god and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation like deliver me deliver me from this Um, and you've got words like rescue me And then it goes on and it's talking about assurance and it says, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and delight. You know, it's looking to the future. It's like there's something positive that can come in here. It's kind of like Psalm 42 cuts the process short and just leaves it in woe is me, which is why a lot of theologians think Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are the same psalm because um, the psalm then continues on in the pattern of the genre. Uh, and then uh, this psalm, Psalm 43, ends in, in praise. It's, it ends with this verse. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. And again, you saw that in Psalm 42. That, that's repeated again. It's like the person is like, I'm going to pick myself up in God and I'm going to give this to God. But what I love about this psalm is it's not about pretending. It's not about pretending everything's okay. It's giving our emotions to God. And it's, um, it's, it's fully giving the situation to God in realness and where we really are because God doesn't want fake relationships with us. He wants deep relationships with us. He wants relationships with us where we're actually open and honest. Because just like any relationship, if you're not honest with one another, you're not really knowing one another. And God wants to know you and he wants you to know him. Of course he already knows you. He he already knows what you're not telling him. But, um, But he wants you to tell him because he wants you to share with him your life. He wants to be in real relationship with you. He wants the deep things of you to connect with the deep things of him. The other thing is that uh, lament is not just personal. Actually, in the Psalms, there's a whole lot of Psalms that are about communal lament, where we lament and cry out together. And it's the same genre as this, but all the I words change to we. And we're in this together. And there is a way of doing communal lament. And we're going to, um, in a little while, we're going to do a communal lament together, um, which will be interesting. I'm not going to sing because um, I'm not a singer, but we'll pretend it's like poetry uh, and see what God does. Um, But the other thing to note is that we might be looking and going, well, lament's great for us, but do we realise that God laments as well? And there's something about in that deep calls to deep where God's lament and our lament combines. Um, 
N.T. Wright, famous theologian, he wrote, he wrote that God was grieved to his heart in Genesis over the violent wickedness of his human creatures. He was devastated when his own bride, the people of Israel, turned away from him. And even Jesus cried when Lazarus was dead. Even though he knew he was going to raise him out, raise him up, he cried because he saw the emotion in Mary and Martha and how much they were hurt by this situation. You know, we have a God that knows how to lament. We have a God who knows how to speak to those deep places in our heart. You know, um, I was saying to Dina before the service, I am amazed at the Bible. I'm amazed at how much wisdom there is in it. Like, I love this book. I love, you know, how much it embraces the human condition. I think quite often we try and read it all at a spiritual level, but I more lately have been trying to read it at a human level. Like, not looking for, just looking for how do we find God in our everyday? Because coronavirus is a bit like that. We've kind of got to find God in our everyday. And I love the humanness of it. I love that God knew how to be human and God at the same time. And that he taught us how to deal with emotions. Jesus had emotions. Jesus got tired. Jesus got angry. Um, but he didn't sin in all of that. Um, but, but God knows how to connect with us in that. He understands our, our, our humanness as well as being holy. And he knows how to combine it together and he wants to bring us into that place. So God actually laments with us. Um, and Apostle Paul, he speaks of the Holy Spirit groaning within us. Now, if you've ever been frustrated, I know when I'm frustrated, I'll say something like, Arr! it's not even a word, but it's like this groan. And I think sometimes there are places where our emotions are taking to, to a place where we don't have words. We can't describe it. We're just at a place where we're in a pit, we don't know how to deal with it. And that's when the Holy Spirit joins with us and groans with us, these groans of prayer. You know, sometimes your, your best prayers are just the tears running down your face. But God moves in us and he joins with us and the Holy Spirit comes in us and speaks into that groaning and he can join us in lament and be with us in lament. You know, Jesus was often, is often called a man of sorrows. He knows how to deal with difficult stuff. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew what stress was. He knew what um, lament was. And he lamented out towards God. And we can do the same. So I'm going to ask the, um, the worship band to come up. And we're going to... Um, we're going to do a lament together all about coronavirus. Um, now, lament is done to music, so uh, they're going to play music. And as I said, I'm not going to sing because that would be very distracting. But I am going, I've written, I've written a lament. And I encourage you to try this. You know, you can write, you can go home and write your own psalms and write your own laments. Um, and I encourage you to, to, to do that. Try that. If you're trying to sort something through in your head, it'll give something to God, write a lament. Or if you're just feeling fantastic and you're loving God, write a psalm. Um, 
But yeah, what I want to do today is I just want you to take you through a lament for our world where it is right now. Because over time, we're all struggling to some degree. Maybe some, some days you're doing great. I find some days I'm doing fantastic. And then the next day I'm not because it just starts overwhelming me. Um, but let's today, let's say a lament for our world and ask God to be sovereign over it. Can you do that with me? Okay, so the music's going to start playing. And what I'd like you to do is to get yourself into a space where you really feel like you can be open and honest with God. Now, that might be kneeling for you. It might be standing. It might be raising your hands. It might be holding the hand of your partner. Uh, if you're at home watching this on the couch. Um, but get yourself into a place where you feel like you can connect with God. So I'm just going to give you a second to do that. So you might want to stand. You might want to sit. Whatever you, you might want to kneel. Whatever you want to do. And then we're just going to pray.